I think you both know, I don't know if listeners know, but I'm well into crocheting things. I made a, a dog in a sailor suit last week and this week I'm making a cake pin cushion because I've got pins for holding all the limbs on things. So I need to store them in something. Um, and I've now got a lot of yarn and a lot of crochet hooks of different, differing kind of sizes. And so this week I bought a bunch of stuff to organize all my yarn. So I've got boxes of yarn, which is arranged by color. Um, so I can see, I can look in the side and see at a glance what colors I have. I'm very pleased with that. But I've also got a little case, like a zip up case with like different flaps in it that's full of like metal hooks. <laughs> oh dear. So sinister. The old case of hooks. Well, this is it because I sent a picture to my brother and he just immediately replied, like, he was like, this just looks like a very camp serial killer, like, preparing to torture the next victim. <laughs> you should put some other eerie stuff in there as well, like <laughs> fragments of creepy Victorian poetry written on, you know, what are actually offcuts of leather, but might be human skin. That's environmental storytelling, that is. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Keep people guessing. Welcome to episode 145 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotguns PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. Uh, I am Alice Bell, and I'm joined for the best DLC slash expansions episode by Mr. Horse Armor. Hello. Hi, Mr. Horse Armor. Are you any particular type of horse armor, or like? Well, I, I I made the infamous Oblivion horse armor. Mm. and charged everyone a lot of money for it. Okay. I thought it was going to be my masterwork, and it is widely ridiculed. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. Horsome. <laughs> yeah. Named after me, of course. No, yeah. So your, ancestor, your family name is Horse Armour, and then when you made this armour for a horse, you're like, I must call it Horse Armour. Oh, no, myself. my first name, so my, my family name's Armour, and my oh, name is Horse. I see, okay. Yeah, I... Mr. Horse Armour is wrong. <laughs> so Mr. H Armour, I see. Okay, I apologise. Yeah. Um, and Gravy Jones is joining us as well. I am the piping hot gravy. Yeah. <laughs> I that, love a bit of bistow. Is that also from Oblivion? Uh, yes, yeah, it's from the Piping Hot Gravy expansion. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, God. I loved it when that came out because it finally took all the heat off my uh, horse armor. <laughs> can we, uh, yeah, can we establish some of the lore of Gravy Jones then? Are you sea themed like your more famous brother, Davy Jones, uh, or are you. I, I don't actually like to talk about my, my older brother, David. Um, <laughs> He, 
yeah, he got into the the glamorous nautical lifestyle, whereas I've got uh, I've got Toby jugs for hands. <laughs> I don't know if his life is that glamorous. I mean, his face is like literally an octopus. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my face is that of a Toby jug. <laughs> Why Toby uh, jugs? They just feel, you know, emblematic of gravy. <laughs> Do they? Yeah, they're sort of ruddy-faced, sort of grim, gnomish avatars of Britishness. I I would rather have the face of a Toby jug than the face of an octopus. Uh, I would actually quite like a prehensile beard, to be honest. Uh, But I'm thinking, like, if you're going to go, which of those faces is better for going to the co-op to get a can of Rio? Oh, do you know, I bought three tins of Rio yesterday and I thought of you with every one of those three tins that I beasted immediately afterwards. Oh, nice. There were, if you had uh, an octopus face, you could hold many more cans of Rio at once. But they'd also scream at you in the shop. I was going to make a very mean joke and say they do that anyway, Matthew. Oh, well, that's... They scream in excitement because they know they're going to make mega profit from my Rio habit. <laughs> They're like, yes, yes, he's back. <laughs> oh, just the eight today, Davey. <laughs> now, look, his beard has got a practical purpose. I forget which film it was, but in one of them, because he's got a big church organ on his ship, which I think is great, and he oh, plays yeah. it with his hands and his beard. Because his beard is pulling out stops on it and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and I thought that was, I mean, I thought that was amazing, actually. Very creative. Mm. That implies the existence of organ music that can only be played by him with his hands and his beard that, that a human organ, organist couldn't play. Well, I mean, have you heard organ music? <laughs> I, I'm convinced it's not for humans. Mm. I mean, I love it, but I watch organists and I, I don't, I don't trust that all of them visibly exists in this dimension because there seem to be more noises being made than there are appendages on an organist. Let's put it that way. They are also like hidden away, which suggests some kind of like dark art is occurring. Like the organist isn't out there. They have to go and sit in like a little box in a tower, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. And as soon as the doors close, they just like shove their hands into their sternum and like pull it apart and like nine chalk white ghostly arms come out to play <laughs> all the why? keys. Is that why they hide the organist away? Yeah, yeah, because they've they they've made pacts with otherworldly entities. Why do go. you think organ music... Like, I wonder if there was a time when organ music was not associated with like sinister doings, you know, like vampires and monsters and stuff. Do you think there was ever a time when organ music was like, party time? Like, Well, not really, because they're in churches, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. Which is the, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the rest <laughs> is implied. Um, I don't know, they're, they're an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's, you know, can we make a machine that sounds like God? But is operated by, by 12th octopus. century technology yeah, <laughs> an and, uh, and a haunted pirate. 
<laughs> I wonder how Bill Nye got because Bill Nye, who plays the film version of your brother David, um, he he doesn't strike me as one of those method actors. Like I don't think he, he strikes me as one of those like just having a laugh kind of. Yeah, oh, you pay for Bill you know, Nye, and you just get Bill Nye being Bill, Bill Nye. Nye. Yeah, um, uh, and I, I saw Bill Nye in the street once, and it was just a regular like Saturday, and he was walking uh, down um, Regent Street, still in a three-piece suit and a cravat. Just apparently, uh, he doesn't own any furniture. What? <laughs> I think I read this in an interview once. He like lives quite. He, he sort of. I think he treats his flat or his house as like just a place to go and sleep, and then he spends all day like walking around London, being all being Bill Nye-ish. <laughs> that tracks. I thought you meant in the way that like people who owe a lot of money will tell anyone that comes around they don't own anything, and therefore the creditors can't have their telly. <laughs> no, no. I think he just has it. He just doesn't. He's not like a homebody. He likes to, you know, he's out and about in cafes and, you know. Playing a pirate ship, playing an organ with his beard. But you know, I was gonna say, how's he get into character? But he's probably just like, oh yeah, I'm an octopus now, whatever. Like you know, he doesn't strike me as someone who would staple tentacles to their face to really get into character. I would say David Jones is the most unBill Nye-ish performance he's done. Mm. It's the only one that doesn't sound like him. Because normally it's just him sort of doing his little snorty laugh that he does. He does that a lot. Has he done uh, any other completely inhuman roles? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Let's hang on. He was Godzilla. He oh. was Godzilla. In Godzilla versus Kong. That's Bill Nye. Hang on, that's me looking up Bill Nye. Let's look up. Let's look up Bill Nye's. Uh... I bet Bill Nye loves getting recognised. I bet he bloody loves it. Um, He's very tall as well, so he draws attention to himself. Right. Filmography. Oh, well, he's one of those people that has a separate Wikipedia page for their filmography. Oh, I hate that. It's such a, it's such a pain in the arse. Because you know you're in for just, like, a load of reading. <laughs> yeah, there's not... I can't tell... Has he done any games? What's uh, on there? He must, he must have done a... a a king in a elders, Elder Reader. Scrolls. Oh yeah, hang on, he's got quite a few. Yeah, he is indeed High King Emmerich in the Elder Scrolls Online, Tamriel Unlimited. There we go. Matthew, did you guess that? <laughs> yeah, I literally guessed that. That is uncanny. <laughs> well, he must have been. Like, you can just and hear yeah. him talking all that bollocks. <laughs> Hi, he's uh, High King Emmerich in the Elder Scrolls Online and all the DLCs. <laughs> That's the main one he'd actually... Two-thirds of his video game... Uh, Credits are High King Emmerich in different mm. Elder Scrolls Online DLCs. I'm, uh, I'm going to pitch you a, a Bill Nye game. Go on then. It's called The End Is Nigh. Okay. <laughs> and you, it's like GTA, and but it's in London. And you've just got to walk around the city surviving as long as possible. But as soon as you cross paths with Bill Nye... Loads of panthers chase you down and consume you. So you've just got to like constantly be alert to noises in the crowd suggesting, oh, is that Bill Nye? And then you've just got to sprint. And like the screen goes a bit distorted when he's really near. Like Slenderman. Like Slenderman, yeah. Yeah. You've got to be careful which direction you look in because if you see Bill Nye, the end is nigh. 
Why Panthers? Um, well, they're just quite stressful, aren't they? <laughs> mm, that's true. I wonder if there's an opportunity in this game, like if you can find the very rare moment that he returns home to lay in his bed and that's when you can off him. Yes. Oh, like Dracula in his Like costume. Dracula. He's got a big, that's, that's kind of actually, now, now I think about it, that is the vibe of his, his yeah. living arrangement. Okay, You've yeah. got to approach him with a mirror, like, um, was it Perseus <laughs> fighting the Medusa? And yeah. <laughs> His floor's I, covered in bits of Lego from because he keeps buying like Davy Jones's ship kit <laughs> and getting frustrated with it and hurling it on the floor. So you've got to not tread on any of that while approaching Bill Nye in a casket using a mirror. Yeah, I'd play that. I played worse games in the Steam Next Fest. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's slim praise. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, I hope any developers listening are taking and sharing notes because over the course of the, you know, the last year or so, we pitched some fantastic ideas. The real belters. Um, but, it, you know, it's good that Bill Nye has been in some uh, Elder Scrolls expansions uh, because that means I have a really easy segue um, to move into the main topic, which is that we're going to talk about expansions in DLC. Well, since we're on the topic of the Elder Scrolls, Matthew, um, take us through the horse armour. <laughs> Why don't you? Well, I, I'm, I'm actually, uh, although I am the creator of the horse armour, I can't tell you a huge amount about it other than I made it and then we sold it and everyone made fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hang on. Let's look up. It's just an infamously bad or overpriced piece of of um, Oblivion DLC. Was the horse armor functionally useful? No, I think it's just to make your horse look nice. Hang on, I think it it maybe caught the imagination of people because it was an early game on the Xbox 360, also. And maybe DLC was a bit more exotic. It, that, was the, so, that was the first generation we sort of had that kind of DLC model. So it's 2006 and it was, it, it's argued as like the first microtransaction because it was 250 for the horse armor. Um, mm. But at the time, the term microtransaction wasn't really a, a big term. So people just called it like a bad DLC. Um, mm. it's it's not even that fancy. No, not really. Looking at it, yeah, it's dumb. I remember PC Gamer on one of their back pages did a um back page joke about some kind of downloadable crab armor, and they'd just taken a screenshot of a giant crab from the game and then photoshopped on a load of armor. Yeah, did I work for them at the time? <laughs> yeah, it has it has got you energy for sure. <laughs> Quick, uh, another game pitch. Mike Rose Transactions, uh, American singer-songwriter Michael Rowe. Uh, you play as him attempting to buy things in a fantasy shop. Mm. But ironically, the shop has no inventory. You have to buy every bit of stock at 30p a go 
from the game's Steam page, <laughs> and you can only win by buying everything in the shop. I'm not sure That's the right. public could go for it. <laughs> I think it might be controversial. <laughs> I don't know. If you, as long as you stick Steam trading cards on it, there will be some idiots who buy it. <laughs> um, I was going to mention, so the first kind of big discourse that I remember sort of not getting involved in exactly, but like talking about with my friends and kind of having opinions on was um, a bit of Mass Effect DLC for Mass Effect 3, which was it, it was controversial because up until then there'd been this kind of uh, idea the DLC wasn't money spinning exactly it was just like the devs would ship a game and then they'd sort of make a bit extra um, and the the day one DLC was controversial because it was like but you've already made it we should just have it um, and it was oh, yeah. the it was a, a character I think uh, it was one of the alien kind of frog guys um, there was there was two extra there, there was some extra characters in that one Oh wait! Oh no! I'm thinking of two. Mass Effect Two had Kazumi and um, yeah, the other guy. I can't remember if. Oh yeah, there was like a, it was a like a insecty dude. Oh yeah, God. I can't remember why he, there was more controversy about him than the others a in Worms previous games. <laughs> I think it was specifically that he wasn't technically DLC; like he was already on the disc, and you buying the code just sort of unlocked him so he was already there so you didn't even download him um so people were very cross about it and and it felt like in the moment that um that you know the consumers would change it all and you know it would never happen again and then obviously now just <laughs> everything is dlc all the time i bought i paid like a fiver to get a cat in sea of thieves mm. I'd met the cat, though. I think it was money well spent. Baskin, yeah, Baskin's, he's a good kitty. I like him. Javik. Yes, that was him. I just looked it up. I wasn't, I wasn't doing a deep memory dive. Yeah, I think I uh, was listening to a, a podcast about Mass Effect. I can't remember if it was the people who worked on it, but they were saying that, you know, basically, like, the, the game... They had some companions who weren't quite polished to go out with the, you know, the gold version of the game or whatever, the sort of the master version. But in the kind of in the kind of month and a half between sort of quote unquote finishing the game and it coming out, they polished it up to be the quality you'd need for a kind of the retail launch. So that's why they could that's why there was day one DLC, if that makes sense. Mm. It's like it wasn't finished. If they just shipped it. Back when they shipped the rest of the game, it would have been, you know, like it didn't have any face or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it took an extra month to give them a face. And what would you rather, an alien with a face or without a face? Or with mm? the face of a Toby jug. Or with the face <laughs> of a Toby jug or an octopus. <laughs> Please stop making fun of my family. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'd love that if that's a conversation they have at EAA. Like, why is this... Just ship it, and they're like, "Well, we can, but it's got the face of a Toby Joe, and we do expect people to romance this alien." So, <laughs> mm. oh, imagine that's like an anxiety dream, making out with a Toby Joe. <laughs> Especially if, if like hot gravy is spilling out of it during. <laughs> oh, God, burning oh. your forehead. 
It's like a quick time event from a horror game. <laughs> uh it's the riskiest companion to Romance in Mass Effect 3. <laughs> it's the guy with who's, who's filled literally to the top of his body with piping hot gravy. Oh, warm Toby. <laughs> I like the idea then that Toby jugs were sort of like uh, developed after Victorians met some aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a race. <laughs> My God. And they're otherwise like giant hill-sized birds, but they've got these odd... <laughs> Rural, chunky faces. <laughs> That's, I, again, pure horror. Anything I, you do with the Toby Jugs, pure horror. I feel like the link between Toby Jugs and gravy in your head is like via Toby Carveries, but I don't want to make that assumption. Alice, you're exactly right. I've just worked that out the second <laughs> you said it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because we've got, we used to go to Toby Carvery sometimes. And they've got all these Toby jugs in there. And we had like this, you know, the deep lore for it. And me and Ashley, that if you like went there at midnight on Halloween, Toby himself would come out of the kitchen. <laughs> like five nights like this, at Freddy's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just this huge like hulking man with, with red apple-like cheeks. And just chase you around with two big knives. I've 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 never been to Toby Carvery. Um, I've only ever driven past them, but I I I, I do find the mascot quite unpleasant. Do I know we have American listeners? Um, how would you describe a Toby Carvery, Nate? Um, it's a bit like a sort of Irish fable. To warn children, you know, you know the sort of old old stories with like eerie folklore creatures that that have a, a subtle moral lesson. And in this case, it's it's about the idea that there is such thing as too much of a good thing. Um, and in this case, the good thing is roasts. <laughs> They have sort of uh, a trio of meats on offer and then a buffet of every imaginable accompaniment to a traditional Wait, English roast dinner. roast dinner. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's wow, interested that's, now. That actually sounds great. <laughs> I mean, like I say, it is, but I've never not left there just feeling like Atlas beneath a globe of sin. <laughs> it's also, I would say, it's not like... Uh, look, look, let me put it this way. When I lived in Exeter um, and I worked in an office there, sometimes we would go to the Toby Carvery for like a special lunch if we felt like it. And um, we went there once and then the next week it was closed down uh, because there was some sort of uh, food bug related <laughs> incident. Mm. It's not. There is a lot of food sweltering under heat lamps. How 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 good is the meat out of ten? I think it's pretty good. Oh, okay. And you can have as much mint sauce as you like, which I think is great. Because I've I've been to like all you can eat places before, and you normally take one bite, and then you're like, I know why this is all you can eat. Like it, it instantly comes to get you know it's it's always horrible. So. I would I would say it's pretty good, but in the way that like a roast can only really be so bad, you know. Um, 
Yeah, but it could. I'm thinking of like school dinner meat. I would say oh, it's, it's, better than it's better than that. Okay. I always power game buffets <laughs> and like work out which, which foods are the lost leaders mm. and only consume them. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they'll inevitably be the better quality and they're usually in smaller portions. Mm. So like the fool's game is like, you know, reach for an ogre's fistful of chips which, you know, you could get for, I don't know, not sixteen ninety nine or whatever. You don't do that. You just right. have, like, little dishes of individual prawns by the hundreds. I, I knew someone who, when they went to Pizza Hut, where if you buy the salad bowl at Pizza Hut, you get one trip to the salad bar. Or they, that's how it used to be back in the mid-90s. They may have changed their rules now. Um, so you've got one bowl... And, you know, you're trying to get as much salad down as possible. And they used to use uh, stiff lettuce leaves to extend the edges of the bowl. <laughs> they used to build, like, an extra, like, layer of bowl and then pile it up. See, that's, that's some serious gaming of the, the system. Yeah. I, had a, I had a friend who had worked out, because, you know, Pizza Hut did, um, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to do all-you-can-eat lunches. So you'd go in yeah. and you'd all-you-can-eat by the slice. And uh, he had very seriously worked out like how many slices you had to eat before you were like in credit, basically. Right. Like you had to eat this much to make a large pizza, and then you know. But uh, I also like I unironically not no, no irony, no condescension, or anything. I love things like Toby Carvery and uh, Harvester. I love a Harvester. My mm. first birthday. When we'd moved to Brighton, I was like, I want to go to the aquarium and then I want to go directly to the harvester on top of the aquarium <laughs> for my birthday meal. Do you think there's any kind of like under the table deal between the aquarium and the harvester for their Maybe, seafood? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh. Harvesters don't really go in harvesters is more like ribs and hunter's chicken and but this only... one, maybe it's just got one it's written in pen on the bottom of the menu and it's just like stingray. Assorted fish. Catch oh, the big thing, like, you know, other than, like, you know, a functioning society, decent mental health, and my friends, the thing I've missed most since COVID restrictions started has probably been, um, like, cheap and cheerful, or you can eat Midlands Chinese buffets. Yeah. I'm hungry now. Yeah. Oh God. There's a cafe near us called Billy's that does the most astonishing like all day uh, breakfasts, and it's like a big layer of potato hash with onions and everything, and then like beans, and then two kind of god finger sized sausages, and then about <laughs> two inches of melted cheese, and it's so good. Anyway. Mm. We're supposed to talk about DLC. We just spent like the last ten minutes talking about like UK regional food. Well, I mean, buffets are if if you like when you go for a second plate, that's DLC on your meal, isn't it? And big belly expansion. That's it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was going to say like Mass Effect Three also had very good DLC in <clears> Citadel, <throat> which is kind of universally lauded. I I haven't played that. That's the that's like the big fan service-y kind of goodbye. Yeah, thing, right? you basically have a disco with all your mates. It's good. 
Where does it sit? Is it is it just sit in like an alternate timeline? Or how does it kind of? I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. I think I think it's sort of like this is. A, remember you had that party. Oh, okay, it's, it's so not in my head. It's like they through. add it to the end of the game. So like the major decisions are like mm. you know X, you know A, B, or C, and then they add party. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new end of the game. You're like, hmm. well, I, th- I think I'll do that. Like, I did want to mention as well because it's it's in this kind of thing of like like DLC that's like you know good value and good and stuff and I think like one of the things I like is getting like gold editions of games that have all of that in it. Um, so that's one of the things I like Xbox Game Pass PC Wonderland for because like you can get like Dragon Age Inquisition with like all the DLC and some of the DLC for Inquisition is really good and really like transformative and like like. The final DLC for Inquisition is essentially the ending of the game, which seems right, a bit yeah. unfair. <laughs> but it's a really good, it's called Trespasser, and it's a really good DLC, but also, like, it is the, it's the end of the game that mm. you wouldn't get, like, on release. So it's a bit, I don't know. Uh, how do that you feel about That is a bit DLC? holding the full content to, to ransom, isn't it? Do you have any favourite DLCs or expansions, Nate? I know you like the a- animals for Planet Zoo. Yeah, I mean, I suppose... Oh, I, I'm afraid I'm going to crack open an old favourite here. <clears throat> Age of Empires 2 DLCs um, are pretty exciting, uh, to me at least, because of the... The campaigns, apart from anything else, I love an Age of Empires 2 campaign. Um, there's a new one coming out, Dawn of the Dukes. They're still making them. Uh, they, they started again last year um, because it's in this sort of incredible renaissance, uh, thanks to Definitive Edition. And so, yeah, it's about to have its second DLC of its... Um, of its resurrected life. That's mad. That has to have been like one of the longest supported games of all time. Well, it was fan supported for years. Um, I think the last official expansion, well, I think there was only two. No, only one. The Conquerors uh, back in like 2001, I think. But there were like five unofficial expansions made after that by like super dedicated fans. And then when they came to make Definitive Edition, they just hired the guys who had made them and said, you know, should we just make this legit? And now they are making the official expansions for the game. It's quite a nice little story. Mm. What does the um, dawn of the Dukes entail? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's set in small town America in the 1950s. Um, it's in black and white and one night loads of aristocrats just climb up out of the ground and besiege a petrol station. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, no, that's Dawn of the Dead. Um, oh, when there's no more room in hell, the dukes will roam the earth. <laughs> uh, this um, introduces a cool wagon that's essentially like a 14th century tank. Um, crucially, it had no engine. So it was essentially a wooden box on wheels that a load of men cowered inside mm. with guns. Oh la la. Actually, it'd be 15th century when if there's the old garnishment, but yeah, things like that. Oh, nice. Are there any DLCs that you really like, Matthew? 
Um, yeah. So to go back to the Dragon Age thing, like I don't, I don't have a huge problem with people doing like big story stuff in DLC. If anything, if you buy a DLC and it has got something that's super critical to it, it feels kind of exciting. You're like, mm-hmm. oh wow, this is a real treat. Because normally DLC is kind of, oh, I had this other adventure that I never mentioned. And it had no impact on my life or my overall character arc. So that's true. It, I, I I like the impact of the wow. Something actually important happened here. Um, uh, that said, I, I I am also a big fan, particularly in RPGs, of people who use DLC to just have a load of cool new adventures, and they often feel like side quest plus. Because mm. I, I feel like I feel like when you're playing the main campaign of an RPG, there's only so much you can do with a side quest because you don't want it to kind of dwarf the main campaign, the main quest line, because you know it, it, it might throw people off the story. But in DLC, you don't really have that, so you can actually you can do quite big one-off adventures. Um, so uh, the two that stand out um, are. Uh, Tales from the Sword Coast for the original Baldur's Gate basically added this little village. <clears throat> and when you go to the village, uh, it, it just acts as like a hub for um, three quite wild adventures, like quite ambitious. There's one where you go to this sort of like island that has been run over, uh, overrun, run over, <laughs> overrun by um, werewolves, maybe. Um, spoilers, it is werewolves. Well, was um, this like an expansion pack on CD? I'm guessing if it was Baldur's uh, Gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been. Um, uh, yeah, I played it recently. I, I recently replayed Baldur's Gate One and Two on Switch, so it's all just bundled in with the enhanced edition. Um, but yeah, you go to this like werewolf island. There's this like wizard who whisks you away to this uh, little frozen labyrinth, and there's this uh, like difficulty-wise, absolutely brutal visit this thing called Durlag's Tower, which is um, this like old sorcerer's tower. And you just, you have to go there to collect this knife. And it's quite sort of funny because when you first get there, it's become almost like a tourist attraction. You sort of go in with this guided tour and you're almost on the, the first level of this tower. And it's um, like, uh, like the gift shop almost. It's quite sort of silly, a bit Discworldy. Um, and then this sort of demon knight turns up and you have to sort of descend the tower and you, you kind of learn the story of the, 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 the chap who lived there from like the kind of ghosts that you meet along the way and stuff. But it's, it's, it's absolutely rock hard, but it's also like a really juicy adventure in its own right. So I'm a big fan of that. And, uh, more recently, although it's going on a few years now, um, the DLC for the Witcher three, I think is probably the best dlc i've ever played um which one the blood and but i i I love them both there's there's hearts of stone where you basically make a deal with the devil and then to get out of it you have to complete these sort of um impossible tasks you have to sort of and on on paper they're just they sound really great and they really deliver you have to you have to do this sort of robbery of um in this auction house and you have to show like a dead man like the best best night of his life and all this kind of stuff and it's um it's just it's really fun like fable telling it, it's it, you know the, the stories are they sound exciting they are exciting to play there's a really great quest where Geralt gets possessed by the ghost of this um this man who like 
sort of n- never lived properly and you're meant to show him this like good time by letting him possess your body and basically <laughs> go wild at a party. It's, the horny it's, ghost. Yeah, yeah. It, the, I don't know if you remember, the horny ghost was a recurring character when in, in the early days of this podcast lineup. It's because we did he's, a uh, a Witcher 3 special, didn't we? we oh, just... right. Well, no, but it's lovely because he's now come back to haunt us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, a, that's, a re- that's just, like, in that DLC, you know, it's just set in the main map, but it's probably, like, the best quest in the whole game, I think. Um, and then they did this expansion, which is Blood and Wine, where you go to, like, the fairy tale region. And it's kind of, you know, the Witcher is, you know, obviously all quite grim, unpleasant, sort of, sort of medieval fantasy but this is like the bit of that world that is like disney fairy tale like it's got this huge cinderella type castle and there's all this like fairy tale stuff and it's all bright green and the sky's blue and it's you, you know there's loads to do though and it's a huge and it's like a 20 30 hour story um to sort of save this individual region but it's also about Geralt maybe retiring to set up a vineyard there and it's just it's so good. It's that's, that's the one where you have to retrieve those puppets, isn't it? That yeah. <laughs> that's where, t- yeah, Tobias Beckford lives. Um. So I, I've remembered, I actually had a couple of examples in my pocket um, that I forgot about completely because I was thinking so hard about Toby Carveries. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get a little bit like actual useful content here because I think what you've just given examples are really good examples of like extra bullets for a magazine of existing content ammunition. Yeah. Um, that was the most Alan Partridge thing I've said <laughs> in a while. But yeah, you know what I mean? They're like, as you said, they don't really change the base game. There are additional things you can do. Um, but thinking back to the days of classic expansion packs, I remember uh, the Yuri's Revenge expansion pack for Command and Conquer Red Alert 2, which was bonkers. It was absolutely brilliant. That game had two factions, um, the Allies and the Soviets in their weird alternate history war. And it was in that middle ground where it had gotten very silly, but it wasn't quite at the cringeworthy levels of, of Red Alert 3. Um, mm. And Yuri's Revenge added a third faction, which I think reached the series' pinnacle of high camp. Uh, it was this sort of techno-Rasputin figure called Yuri uh, with his army of just ludicrous gimmick weapons everything was nonsense your standard infantry unit was like an incredible hulk but to get it you had to turn enemy soldiers into them and there was a squid that would attack submarines and like a nuclear man like every unit was was like a you know had its own set of bizarre rules and it was a fully fledged third faction to the game it was like as if StarCraft had, had, you know, released an expansion which introduced, a, you know, fourth faction of pigmen. Um, yeah, it just completely unbalanced the whole thing in a beautiful way. And the other example, uh, the, the sort of uh, a, another type of transformative DLC, which I've had a lot of mileage out of, would be the um, War of the Chosen for XCOM 2. 
Oh, yeah. Because that is, it just makes it a completely different game. It makes it a much longer, much more complicated, much more Baroque experience. Um, and it's great, really, because XCOM 2 is a game that's all about replayability. And this essentially refreshes that well of replayability entirely uh, for a fraction of the development resource of creating a whole new game. Really clever stuff. Mm. Well, uh, I was going to talk about The Sims as well because that is, The Sims 4 is essentially a game made of DLC and expansions at this point. Um, and they're doing this thing recently where they uh, they appear to be remaking the most popular uh, fan mods <laughs> into like official DLC. So the most recent one is, is, that they've announced is coming out on the 22nd of July, I think. It's called Cottage Living, which is just sort of officially integrating into the game a thing that people have been modding for years because like cottage core is a huge thing like you know millennials want to live in like a nice house in the country and grow roses and have rabbits and whatever like Beatrix Potter on on paper it sounds great the second they have that house and they find out how many wood lice they have to deal with they wouldn't (laughs) like it but but you can have it in the sims you see Um, and so now the wood lice yeah the wood lice are crucial here yeah but I think The Sims is also a really good example of, uh, you know, the, the highs and lows of um, DLC because you can have like really nice, really transformative and and interesting expansion packs, and then also you can have the like the Star Wars tie-in, which people are really mad about because uh, it, you know, it wasn't great, and it was kind of the first new thing they announced after saying they were going to redouble their efforts to be more inclusive and you know have better skin tones for, uh, you know, making Sims uh, their ethnic minorities and stuff like that. And then they were like, Star Wars, Star Wars DLC, it's the Disneyland Star Wars thing. Um, <laughs> and then, and then like it, even back in the day, like one of the most one of the most famous game reviews that gets popped up on Twitter all the time is um, Steve Hogarty's um, review of like, I think it's like The Sims 2 H&M fashion stuff or something, like a DLC pack that puts like some H&M, H&M clothes in the game for X amount of money. And he just made fun of it for like 300 words. Uh, H&M though, I mean. Yeah. It's weird though, because I don't know how much they have changed from those days and whether they can just get away with a lot more now because, you know, the community is so big and so vocal and it's, you know, influence. You're more likely to hear influencers talking about this stuff and they're generally a bit more into it than like journalists are, for example. And so, you know, there was a time, like I remember before doing any Sims stuff, before Alice L joined the team, she was super into the Sims, obviously. I thought it was just the whole thing was this huge corrupt mess and I wanted like nothing to do with it. And then it was just mad. It, it was eye opening to have someone on the team who was into Sims and like super into all that stuff. And actually mm. it did have its audience. And like I don't the, know if they- the eco living pack and stuff like that. Some of it, like the more, the stuff they come out with recently has been really, really interesting and just completely changes 
how you can play the game and stuff. But then mm. also you do still get like, you know, there was a Mac makeup thing that was added that everyone hated. Yeah. <laughs> and like had eyeliner that looked like sperm that everyone immediately modded out of the game and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it did look like sperm. Um, mm. So, right. yeah. I just thought it was interesting. I mean, the reason I chose this topic is because uh, of the Sea of Thieves expansion, which is free, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean themed one that dropped mm. recently. And, you know, all the parts, uh, the Sea of Thieves seasons and expansions just appear in your game if you have it. Mm. Um, but it's. Have you had a play of that? Yeah. Do you not know, look at the site, Nate? I wrote a whole thing about it. I've seen that the article's there. I just haven't read it yet. I was hoping I could draw out your opinions on air. Uh, yeah, I have played it, and it's weird because like they made a big thing about it being parts of the Caribbean themed, and like, oh, it's the Jack Sparrow man and some other characters in it and stuff. But it's really not like I've only played two of them so far, and it sort of implies that we'll all meet up together again and fight Davy Jones later at the end or something. But they're not in it that much. And, and so like there are these really cool like set pieces and there are a lot of really nice detailed kind of fun dungeons and stuff to explore basically. Um, but it also, it sort of feels like at the same time, it's like I said in that piece that it's sort of like um, the, the kind of coolest pirate themed uh, like amusement park ever was given just an astronomical budget but <laughs> with the caveat that for some reason they had to have a, a Jack Sparrow impersonator in it for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah I did get the impression looking at the big presentation they did that there's actually a, all of the good stuff in the DLC doesn't really have much to do with Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, I mean, all the, the new enemy types look great, and it oh, badly yeah. needs them. The ocean. How are the big crab men to fight? Oh, they're good. It's fun because, like, when they first appear, you're like, oh, and they do loads of damage and stuff. And then you figure out, like, you know, the tactic. You go around the back and, or like, shoot the big glowy eye in their chest. All this kind of stuff. It's good, kind of figuring that out and having something other than skellies to fight because mm. just ske the skeletons are just very boring after a while. But um, they should have got Ian McShane to be in it. He was in one of the pirates films. Yeah, there you go, Keith Richards. <laughs> but it's uh, it is Bill Nye and Bill Nye. Yeah. It, oh, he is in it, isn't he? What well, he? I don't know if it's him. I it's not on his list of voice credits. <laughs> um, but it's it's really really good. But it's not good because of Pirates of the Caribbean. And I think it just proved to me that like Sea of Thieves is the bigger, you know, more iconic pirate IP in the year twenty twenty one. And this is I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I loved it. I had like when I was a kid, I had like a door poster of Jack Sparrow and everything. Really? Yeah. And but now I'm just like, it's just not as good as Sea of Thieves. <laughs> I always found him. I always found him slightly grubby as a character. Oh, um... all, all pirates are grubby. It's... Yeah, but him particular. I don't know why everyone was so nuts for him. He looked like he could smell terrible. Yeah, but he, he said... really did look as if he reeked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he said stuff like, "Why is the rum gone?" and that. Yeah, I know, but it's... Yeah, yeah I'd name me a clean-looking pirate, would you? I'd like... I wouldn't... That would... I would like a clean pirate. Hmm. A clean like, pirate. I can imagine you as a clean pirate. Like, you know, people who've got... Like, maybe sort of Navy... Navy who've gone AWOL, but still kind of keep up their strict standards. Like, <laughs> them, them from the Terror. 
then, but as pirates. They they didn't look very clean by the end, though. No, they did, well, no, they weren't. They weren't particularly intact. We here at Rock Paper Shotgun want to create the best PC games related content out there. I mean, we're doing a lot of that already, but you can help us continue to do that and also help us do a little more. All you have to do is grab an RPS subscription over at rockpapershotgun.com forward slash subscribe. You can support us at two different tiers. The standard subscription will give you an ad free RPS, you'll get discounts on our merch, and you'll get a letter from the editor post every month too. The premium tier subscription gives you all of those lovely things I just mentioned, plus some exclusive articles and podcasts, as well as some smashing new video games and in-game items. I don't want to say free because you're paying money for the subscription, but you know, it's a little something on top. If you subscribe now, you'll get a key for Devolver Digital's new asynchronous temple run multiplayer game, Phantom Abyss. So, if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to Rock papershotgun.com forward slash subscribe and give us your money please you get good things in return so it seems like a win-win for everyone involved in anticipation of a transaction and because my mother reared me well thank you very much we've run on so we should do a, a cabin of lies sting before it's too late <laughs> ye cavern of lies Mm-hmm. Bit piratical that one. Yeah. That's right. an organ. I was okay. going to say I can't tell if, if this is going to be a pirate-themed cavern or like a, a circus-themed cavern. <laughs> Welcome to me cavern of falsehoods. <laughs> I'm Gravy Jones. Okay. Just having a nice bisto. Do you drink the bisto out of yourself? Yes. Like mm. Cuphead. I once did a whole article about what was in Cuphead's head because there's a scene where he drinks out of himself and it's very disturbing. I put me tentacles in the top of my head because I also have a tentacle beard. <laughs> and I drinks from my own cranium. Anyway. <laughs> I am very jealous of my brother David. And I'm also apparently increasingly Welsh. Yeah, you're turning into <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Because it's actually me, friend of the show, Anthony oh, Hopkins. Oh, Anthony. Had you fooled there Sir for a Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> ah, terrible fright I gave you. Well, I'm... Uh... You were so method filling your body with gravy like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been considering uh, appearing in a, a, a video game myself, actually. Um, uh, there was good fellows at uh, Infogrames <laughs> have asked me if I want to be in, in one of their pieces of electronic entertainment. So I put the call out for fellow fictional characters uh, to advise me on how they found their crossover experiences. <laughs> and, uh, well, I've got some quite interesting testimonials, but... You, you know you can't trust these fellows. I want you to root out the liars for me. Okay. Okay. Can you do that? Yeah. Give it our best shot, Anthony. Tony. Okay. Good. Right. Well, here they are. Woo! 
It's me, Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, of course. The famous old wrestler. Woo! Sound <laughs> like the ghost. <laughs> well, he is dead. I think, I think he died quite recently, yeah. Um, Ooh, where to know? Ric Flair, if, if you're alive and well and listening to this, I'm deeply sorry. Oh, I thought you were going to say, knock three times. <laughs> no, Ric Flair's alive. Ric Flair's alive. <laughs> oh, Wait, sorry. then who's that knocking? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's one of the bad wrestlers trying to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So I was in... Command and Conquer Red Alert 3! Uh, I what just skinny whoops every every sort of third word. Right, <laughs> it's true. Uh, I played, uh, I played a, an American, uh, sorry, an Allied general called Douglas Hill, <laughs> and I hate those Soviets. It's very English. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, this is not what I thought Ric Flair would be like at all. Ric, Ric Flair sounds a bit like Hyacinth Bouquet. <laughs> and to promote my role in the game, I had a series of promotional fights with a bear. Okay. Uh, so yes, uh, Ric Flair played uh, Commander Douglas Hill. In Command and Conquer Red Alert 3. And, uh, yeah, fought a bear to promote the game. It wasn't really a bear, but um, it was a bit. So that's, that's one thing. Do you like okay. that? Okay. All right. Hello, it's me, Gollum. Oh, Gollum. I was in Lego Lord of the Rings, as yeah. you probably know. But did you know about Silver Gollum, Precious? No. Well, there is a. It was actually patched out of the game. <laughs> but there was a bug for a while. Well, a duplicate of me would appear on the character select screen, but there wasn't a texture rendered in Precious. So mm. it was just any other reflective silver. Mm. You could choose to play at it. But it had my animations and no voice. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like I said, it was just a bug. But I like to think it was the brother I never had. There's <laughs> a, it's a hint of partridge in that golem. Yeah, there is. <laughs> the, yeah. The, 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 I've, whatever it is, that I've stepped on a thing. I usually do a I've really good golem, but I think I'm... Like, yeah. Under pressure, I just can't do these voices. It just goes full Sopranos. There's a little bit. There's a little hint of Gollum. Could in the Venn diagram, there's a crossover between Partridge and Gollum. There. It's just I'm concentrating so hard on modulating, <laughs> you know, the the appearance of truth or not. I can't mm. do the voices. Anyway, did I, did I send you guys that tweet of Richard Madeley talking about quicksand? Yeah. I'm not certain you did. I, will oh, link, I think I'll, I've seen it do the rounds. Yeah. I'll link it in the show notes, but Richard Madeley has, been, has taken over a presenting spot on uh, Good Morning Britain. And he goes, he's, he introduces a link about quicksand by going like, now you might go down to the beach and uh, it's a lovely day, you look at the sand and think, oh, you know, it's lovely. Mm, no, quicksand. 
uh, very deadly. And he's like, nearly got me as a kid, uh, but more on that later. <laughs> Bless his heart. Hey, sorry, carry on. Anyway, enough of this rubbish. It's me, Jason Statham, well-known fictional character. <laughs> yeah. I know okay. your co-host, Nate, likes to joke about me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a bad bloody move for starters. But I have been in video games. I was in Red Faction 2, as a matter of fact. We're going about punching buildings up on Mars. <laughs> yeah. Played a war bloke called Shrike. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Not, not bad. I'm not so sure, but okay. All right. Donkey. Oh, no. Is it Shrek? That's right. It's me, Shrek. There's a Shrek in the cave. Uh, It's always an ogre in the cave. In this case, it's me, a really despondent-sounding Glaswegian Shrek. Oh, no. What's wrong? Well, I just can't skateboard anymore. But I did once. I was in one of those... Tony Hawk games. So was the Doom guy, my best mate. Yeah? Wait, Shrek was, Shrek was in a Tony Hawk's game? As was the Doom guy. Really? Yep, they come as a pair in this cavern. Mm. Uh, they weren't a pair in the game, although I do ship it. Um, <laughs> I've just got this image now of flicking between the skaters and they're doing that kind of slightly restless shift that they do on the character select screen and then it cut and one of them is now Shrek. Well that's uh, yeah that's that's what you're dealing with here. And he's sort of bobbing there and he's holding a skateboard. Shrek is holding a skateboard on the character select screen. Yes. Hmm. Do, do you happen to know if uh Shrek got his own falling off the skateboard owie noises or if they just use generic um <sighs> I am trying to remember. I didn't think I did, no. I think I just used the standard noises. Too, too, too budget to afford Mike Myers, so they just copied. He's also got Tony Hawk's voice. <laughs> just silently floated around. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, is there one more? And then there is one more, yeah. Uh, and that is, very briefly... Uh, Popeye appears in one of the Kingdom Hearts games. Uh, this is vague. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to tell you more about okay, it. I right. just wanted to give you the headline. Okay. Uh, so he's in Kingdom Hearts 3, mm-hmm. uh, where he appears briefly um, in the retinue of one of the villains. I have forgotten who the villain is uh, because they were just... That well, I only remember the Disney people because the other ones are all meaningless to me. But Popeye isn't a Disney character. Well, yeah, that was say... why it was really unusual. He belongs to um, King Features. <laughs> no. No, that is, if you look up the no, Popeye no, no, IP. No, I believe that, but I don't believe that, like, this very, this big, like, Disney project that hasn't included a lot of iconic Disney figures would go out of its way to include Popeye, of all things. I think he was not counting 
on either of us knowing that Popeye was is not a Disney property. Well, he's obviously not. He's got such a sinister energy compared to the rest of them. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like he likes. I, he just he fights. He eats straight out of cans. He smokes. Like everything about him is odd. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, no, personally, was... I think Mickey is has got stranglers' hands. So, two, I don't, <laughs> but two men like f- constantly fighting over a woman isn't like a. a it's a weird, a weird setup for a Disney cartoon. Yeah, but none of that is important. Like you know very well in the Kingdom Hearts games, these characters do stuff that's completely existentially divorced from their original cartoon existence. Yeah, but also people will be playing it going, why, why is my boy there? That doesn't make any well, sense. No, like I say, it was a cameo appearance. <laughs> well, no, that's how they licensed it, because he isn't like a voice well, character. Why would they go out of their way? Like, if Yeah, why would they? <laughs> th- why would they be like, you know what Kingdom Hearts needs? Popeye. <laughs> Well, no, he wasn't like a feature of the game. It's the bit. <laughs> it's, a, oh, it does, it's not in the box. It doesn't say like featuring Popeye. The, the, only, <laughs> the only problem I well, have. Well, he's not that much of a drawer anymore. But that's the thing. Why put him well, in no, there at all? Well, no, because it's the bit in the game where you're chucked into that sort of old timey world. And but you've got all various. That's just Steamboat Willie. They could just do that. Yeah, yeah that's like well, we've no, got, no, we've got like, the most iconic black and white cartoon of all times. Let's cram in some Popeye as well. Well, no, that was the thing. Because you get sent back to Steamboat Willie times. Like, because Mickey's trying to recover no, his I'm memories. Sorry. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, this, this, this is balderdash. The only problem I have with not immediately... Do we have to kill Popeye, shooting Popeye in the face? Is... No, there'll be no need for that. Just identify them to me, please. Okay, well, the only, the only problem I have is that it... If we go with Popeye, it does mean all the others are true, which is which is its own oh, no, problem. There's, there's two liars in this pack. Oh. Oh, there's two. Okay, well, in that case, Popeye is definitely a liar. Ah, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Popeye pours himself into his pipe and smokes himself, <laughs> dealing with the problem. Well, I mean, that was always okay. going to be a hard sell. Yeah, to be fair, on my notes, it just said, put an unlikely character in a Kingdom Hearts game and pray they haven't played it. Uh, and then I got to it and realised I hadn't actually thought of the character. So I just went with Popeye. <laughs> a doomed venture. Um, I actually, I like... I like Shrek. Shrek feels very of the time and very around that era of Tony Hawk. So that that, that matches for me. I Jason Statham was definitely in a Call of Duty. I think. I don't remember him being anything to do with Red Faction. I didn't actually give you much detail on that. Do you want any more? I mean, it was Red Faction Two. Uh I don't know. I don't know about this one. Mm, I, I don't know. Rick Rick Flair fighting a bear sounds sounds legit. The the I'm I'm torn between because I think Jason Statham Statham in Red Faction Two is sort of plausible because he has been in other games. Mm. Um, I feel like it might be Gollum. Because that sounds compared to the other two 
too real. <laughs> mm. But Gollum in a Lego Lord of the Rings game, it's not a leap. No, but it's Silver Gollum. Silver Gollum. Mm. It was the fact there was a weird duplicate of Gollum you could play as mm. uh, until they, they patched it out, which had his, yeah, his model, but no texture. So it was just this sort of weird reflective silver, and it had no voice lines. Mike, the thing is, I don't think that no texture equals silver. No, it was some underlayer they had for like his eyes. Because you know he's got sort of shimmery eyes. They just had that texture underneath. That was like his base, but they hadn't put the skin on over. This, it sounds what like quite shimmery big... eye. Oh, the oh, he does light things. It's a big. It's a big. Um, it's quite a big bug to send out in a game. Like you'd think they'd go, "Should we test Gollum once?" And they're like, "Nah." I don't think it was like, you know, right there on the title screen. There was, it was something that happened sometimes. Mm. I or think. Maybe, I don't know. I've just seen the screenshots. I think of, of Silver Gollum. I think of. Wait, it's, hang on. But. So, what color is Gollum? Like a. He's a sort of a blue gray, naturally. No, but I mean the Silver Gollum. It's sort of, I guess pearlescent golem would be the most accurate way of describing him, but it's kind of silvery because it's the texture they use for the whites of his eyes, uh, which this, this, kind of gleam. I, I, I don't believe this anymore. Why? Because I don't think something not having a texture would default to the gleam of his eyes. I'd, and it's Lego <laughs> well, no, as well. It had, <laughs> it had two textures. It had his, like... Well, it had the, the texture wrapped over the Lego figure, but then below that, like, I, d I don't know how video game assets are made, but, like, the 3D object of Gollum's character, you know, its default colour... Nah. I don't was, know. I feel like... The texture had holes in it so his eyes could shimmer through. I feel like Gollum here is the sleight of hand and we're supposed to be looking at Ric Flair punching a bear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's Gollum. What do you think, Matthew? I, I'd, be, I'd be okay going with Gollum. I've got, I've got a sneaky suspicion it could be Statham, but I don't, I don't feel that passionately about it. So I just I'm, think I'm right going with Statham has been in games, or at least yeah, one game. Just, so I, I thought I would know that. Like, I swear I played that game, and I don't remember that. But I'm, I'm saying it's Gollum. Anthony Hopkins, I think Gollum is a liar. Mm. Okay. Well, then, let's, let's find out. Smeagol. Caught us. Master Tritzy Hobbits. Yes! <laughs> Your nose touched you too well. <laughs> I like, I think it's quite telling that Anthony Hopkins refers to him as Smeagol and not Gollum. That's nice. I like to see it? the best in people. For <laughs> <laughs> such a world, I'm deleting myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we go. <laughs> uh, quick, let's... So, um, I, well, I'm glad that uh, left with Shrek and Tony Hawk, Ric Flair fighting a bear, and. Um, <laughs> Jason Statham in Red Faction 2, Anthony Hopkins is somehow going to make the decision to appear in a video game. <laughs> yes, he's, like, I've, uh, he's like, oh, I respect these three people. 
Uh, don't forget Doom Guy as well, uh, Shrek's silent wife. Uh, I'm actually going to go and, and do some skateboarding myself now, so I'll well, just we'll uh, kick flip my way out of the cavern. We'll leave you to it, Sir Anthony. Bye, Anthony. see you as ever. Farewell. That was very good, Nate. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, it was actually The Sims that, because when The Sims is missing a texture, it goes nightmarish and is like a sort of big checkerboard uh, that you can see through and then is like kind of question mark. It's very strange. Um, but yeah, I really th- thought I was going to have you a silver golem. I thought that sounded dull enough to be real, but mm. I just, oh, I'm going to need to deepen the complexity of the bit. You're too good. Uh, well, uh, all that remains for us now is to uh, say, well, no, it's first to do our recommendations, actually, because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Um, Matthew, what would you like to recommend oh, this week? I'm really, I'm really struggling because I've had loads of games on this week. I've had to do, I'm doing loads of work, so I haven't, I haven't got masses of time. You've not um, read any Japanese crime novels this week? I've been reading a book of... of of ch- Japanese short story crime crime stories, but um, it's quite it's quite obscure and um, quite hard to get hold of. Um, I've got to recommend something though. Uh, 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 I mean, listen, it's been recommended a thousand times on this podcast before, but we're um, I may have even said it before. We were watching The Sopranos. It's great. <laughs> have you got to the bit where they have the long discussion about? Um... The law of Warhammer forty thousand yet? Not yet. No, we've uh, we've just we've just got through series series one, and it's it's been a real pleasure. I, f- I forgot all the funny little characters around the side, like the really um, hungry priest who kind of preys on all the wives. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> thirsty is the word. But no, he's hu- no, he's hungry because he goes to the houses and eats. Oh wait, yeah, he is literally. He's, he's hungry, got like a weird he? food fetish. He he likes he goes around and gets them to cook him all these traditional Italian dishes. Oh yeah, he's literally oh, yeah. a hungry priest. Eat no, you're so not thirsty. <laughs> the hungry, hungry priest. Yeah. Um. Uh. Oh well, I'm going to recommend. I don't have a book this week either because it's been it's been really busy, so I feel really bad. Um. But uh, I'm going to recommend this maybe a an obvious recommendation, but uh, Loki, the um newest Marvel television series, mm. um. It's, I would say, in the if we're rating Marvel TV series, it, it is not quite as good as One Division, but better than uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier or Captain America and Winter Soldier. I, I think it's the best by miles. Really? Yeah, I, di- I didn't. I thought I didn't really wait One Division though. So, because I guess you're just a terrible person. <laughs> no. Do you think uh, I would enjoy it? Sorry. Do you think I would enjoy it? Loki? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Well, it basically, the story is that uh, a past version of Loki uh, changes time by stealing the, uh, a Tesseract and it's picked up by Owen Wilson, who I think is great in, actually. I think Owen Wilson is mm. probably the best character in it. He's, Owen Wilson has progressed to being like dad hot rather than like cowboy kind of early 2000s hot. But... Um, He's he's really good in it. Um, he's like a, a time agent who fixes like anomalies in time, 
uh, and he needs Loki's help to catch uh, someone who's like killing time cops. Um, so and so it's a kind of like buddy cop kind of comedy thing. Um, and the office that they work in is very sort of 70s vibe, which is really cool. Um, it's quite fun and funny. Uh, I like the, uh, they kind of tried to speed run Loki through redemption a little bit, which is quite funny because he's sort of like, I don't like hurting people. I just do it because I'm a sad boy. And it's like, well, you still did it. So, um, but yeah, it's really good. I'm enjoying okay, it. That so sounds, sounds, sounds pretty low. Good, good theme tune as well. Yeah. And the, the, the theme is good. And the um, title card is way better in the show than it is in the official promotional materials, mm. which is weird. Um, Nate, what have you got this week? Ah, no casting my eye glumly around the desk for me. Uh, all I have to do is focus on my taste buds where the lingering residue of delicious flavored milk resides yet. Uh, because that's right. Uh, I have just started a subscription to a company called The Modern Milkman. Uh, the sounds of like they're sponsoring us. They're not. Um, it's a milkman, but you program him online as you would with the shopping. And it's very good. You get extremely high-quality milk and flavored milks, but not like, you know, horrible thick milkshakes that are overly sweet, just a sort of a thin strawberry milk. Lovely stuff. Also, uh, like old-fashioned fizzy drinks, vegetables you can have, butter. Uh, and it's all really cheap. Like, it's not an overpriced sort of business at all. Uh, I love it. And, and it just, it's there magically on your doorstep on a Thursday morning. The modern milkman. Hmm. Thank yeah, you very I've, been, much. I've never been so excited about milk. <laughs> That's a good, you should send that to them. That's a, I wonder if they will sponsor us. We should find out. Maybe they'll sponsor you like Shipman's fish paste. Um, well, thank you very much. That's, and thank you, listener, for listening to this episode 145 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Roll Paper Shotguns, PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need. And this was the uh, best Toby Carvery's special. <laughs> um, don't forget to check out Rock Paper Shotgun on uh, social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and we're on YouTube as well. Uh, we have other podcasts. We have the PC Gaming Week Spot, which is every Tuesday and is kind of a current events thing. And we have the fortnightly uh, Ultimate Audio Band, which is all about online shooters and FPSs, um, which is very exciting. Uh, and we have new merch. I mentioned it last week. I'm going to see if, would it be legal, do you think, to have an Anthony Hopkins-themed T-shirt? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but we do have I bet he'd of, give us permission. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, we do have a Cavern of Lies-themed T-shirt, which is, I think, really good. Um, but I am partial, obviously. Um, and uh, also, don't forget that you can, we've revamped the supporter program. So if you're a supporter, uh, You'll get like new benefits and things. You can subscribe at rockpapershotgun.com forward slash subscribe, I think. And uh, you get things like free games. You get free articles that are just for you, funded by the support program. And you will get a bonus episode of this very podcast. 
once a month called The Nate Files, tentatively. <laughs> what a teaser that is. Um, but uh, until next week, it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It's goodbye from Mr. Horse Armor. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Gravy Jones. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da